Side Hustle Show 53, your first $1,000 as a freelancer. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode 53, your first $1,000 as a freelancer. Did you take your cold shower yet today? Hey, in this episode, I'm joined by Cameron Rambert from digitalmind.com, where freelancers learn to earn. Cameron impressed me with his freelance chops, and I read his free ebook, Seven Steps to Make Money on Odesk and Elance, and I thought, it was really good stuff, so that's the story of this episode. I think you're going to like it. Uh, before we get into a couple quick uh, news and notes, first is a uh, new five-star iTunes review. This one's coming in from GT Joshua. He says, a must-listen for aspiring entrepreneurs. Josh, thank you so much for that. Keep those reviews coming in. Next up is applications are open for round two of the Side Hustle Nation Inner Circle Mastermind. If you're ready to take some action and make meaningful progress towards your side hustle goals in the next three months, I encourage you to check it out at sidehustlenation.com slash join. You'll work directly with me and this group is capped at six members and we'll get started as soon as it fills up. So again, that's sidehustlenation.com slash join. Ready? Let's get into it. Hey, Cameron, welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Hi, Nick. How are you? Doing excellent. Thank you. Now, Cameron is the uh, co-founder of DigitalMind.com. That's mind like uh, mining for gold, not mind like your brain. He's a business development superstar and an online marketing pro. And you may have picked up on that accent. He's joining us all the way from Australia to share some wisdom on how to get started making money as a freelancer. So, Cameron, What's uh, maybe I can be your your guinea pig uh, client here? Like how? What's what's step one? Uh, I guess the first step is deciding what skill you can sell. And um, for most people, the easiest place to start is on, I guess, whatever professional skills you already have. So if you're a graphic designer, if you're a web developer, if you're a writer, um, they're the easiest places, I guess, to to look inward and start working on. Um, the second place is also to consider what might be in demand. So um, you know. Uh, if there's certain growth industries like online marketing, for example, there's always demand for that. doesn't matter how many gurus there are out there, there's always demand for good online marketers. So you could consider start uh, teaching yourself how to, how to essentially fill the gaps that, that exist out there. And I guess the third and what I consider my favorite is um, just you know consider what you'd like to do long term and just go ahead and do it. Uh, I had a friend who really wanted to be a Ruby developer, so he taught himself in his spare time on sites like, you know, Codecademy, Treehouse, Learnable, etc. And then uh, essentially used, you know, sites like Odesk and Elance to take on really small projects uh, at a relatively low rate just to build up some practice. And now, you know, he basically commands uh, the prices he wants. So. How do you know what skills you have might be valuable on uh, in the freelance world? Uh, that's a good question. So... I guess the easiest way, at least in my mind, would be to go to sites like Odesk, Elance, Freelancer, and just look at what people are searching for. So you can browse by by category. So um, if you look at, uh, I'm just going to keep using the web de- web development example, just because it's, it's a bit more relevant to to what I work in. But um, you just browse your web development category and just look at the different jobs on offer. You know, you'll see 
a variety of things. You'll see you know, uh, WordPress um, plugin development. You'll see PSD to WordPress template. Um, and you know, you'll just start to get a feel of, of, you know, I guess the, the demand in certain areas. And uh, you know, you can stack yourself up based on what you already know and what you think you might know. Okay, so that's kind of looking back on your own professional skills based on what jobs you have, what you uh, are doing for your day job, kind of getting a gauge for the demand that might be out there and, and looking at these some, some of these platforms might be a good way to do that. And then finally, considering what it is you like to do, because if you hate your day job and you're looking for a side hustle to get away from that, maybe doing the same thing after hours is not the greatest choice for you. <laughs> so, uh, so Cameron, do you have a preferred... Uh, platform of choice? Do you recommend people get started, you know, pitching these services locally on Craigslist or do you prefer like Elance or Odesk or something like that? Yeah, I have a preferred platform only because um, I guess it's what I was first introduced to. But after a bit of research and talking to a lot of freelancers, they all pretty much have the same job. They all do the same thing. Um, And I always recommend to other freelancers, you know, you've got to expand yourself outside the online platform. Like, uh, networking and word of mouth will always be your biggest seller um, if you're a good freelancer. So um, I guess for me, uh, I use Elance because based when I read, based on when I read the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, he name drops it a few times, and I was looking at outsourcing some existing work I had myself. And then sure enough, over time, I became a freelancer on the platform. Um, oh, okay. And what's interesting about Elance, or at least any of these online platforms, and a lot of freelancers get a bit discouraged about is. Uh, they think they're competing against a lot of, I guess, lower socioeconomic countries. They they can't they get undercut, undercharged. Um, but what's interesting is if you come from a professional background, you can actually, you know, put a premium on your prices, and it, essentially it becomes your differentiation point. And you sort of weed out the bad clients who just want something cheap, and you actually start finding the clients that want something really, really well done. I'm glad you I'm glad you bring that up because that is the the reputation for a lot of people is that these platforms Elance um, and Odesk in particular are a, just a race to the bottom, right? I'm going to put yeah, this job so. up for bid. I'm going to get people back for $2 an hour and it's like how am I going to compete with this stuff? Um and you you're saying don't even try to compete with that stuff. You don't those aren't the jobs you want anyways. Um and, yeah, and you can actually use your higher price and your higher skill qualifications or whatever as a differentiation point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the jobs that I used to bid for were at least 30 to $40 an hour more expensive than, uh, you know, my, my counterparts from across the world. Um, and uh, essentially, you know, the clients that want the cheaper job will get burned eventually. Um, maybe not at first. Maybe they're lucky and they do find that, you know, diamond in the rough uh, from wherever they're, they're from. And, um, you know, they'll get discouraged about outsourcing in general and they'll disappear. Um, I actually found one of my best clients on Elance, which was almost a bit serendipitous-like. I mean, she had never used the platform before. I had never used the platform before. And she thought I was scamming at first. Like, she thought, no, nah, there's no way you've got that experience. There's no way you've done all these things. <laughs> I'm like, no, nah, it's true. And then she, um, ironically enough, now I'm not saying that... Um, you know, everyone needs to go out and get a PR pro. But ironically enough, I was featured in, in the Sydney Herald, uh, which is a paper here in, in Australia. And she was just flicking through into small business section. And I had an article. And she's like, holy shit, this is the guy I saw on Elance. Oh, really? Um, wow. That's awesome. That's, I mean, yeah, there's so, no better, like, uh, social proof or no better, uh, you know, testimonial than that, for sure. <laughs> 
absolutely. And, um, you know, she came back, she was like, oh, okay, so I might have uh, misjudged you at first. And, and a lot of Elance and a lot of Odesk and Freelancer and a lot of these online platforms, there's a lot of misjudging going on. Um, so if you can, I guess, look at things objectively and just, you know, give it a try. I mean, you don't know until you try something. Um, and you might get lucky uh, early on. You might take a bit longer, but either way, there's usually quality jobs out there. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sure. Let's take let's take an example of me, um, maybe I want to be a, a, um, you know, a copywriter or something that seems to be a very popular side hustle doing, doing outsource writing for people is, so I'm going to go on Elance and start, um, you just throwing my hat in the ring for different jobs that come up. What's, or, or is there something I should do before that to kind of give myself the best, uh, opportunity for success? See, what's interesting about the job that you just recommended, a copywriter, um, you're sort of, um, I guess, having to prove yourself in your writing to the proposal. Um, so it's kind of, I guess, you, you're doing the pitch and you're presenting your, your copywriting skills at the same time. Right. And I guess when it comes to, I guess, assessing briefs and analyzing briefs, the ones who basically grill the client on every little point and every little detail will be the ones that will be noticed the most because... Um, you often see on these platforms, you know, agencies or freelancers who have kind of routinized or systemized their, um, their their process to going for bids, and it's just the same, you know, 
bit of, bit of paragraph or text that they just spam on every single job, that doesn't get them anywhere. Um, it's the ones who spend a good 15, 20 minutes, you know, addressing the brief thoroughly. If, even if the client's vague or ambiguous, they go ahead and ask questions. Um, that's what will get noticed. And, um, and of course, the next stage after that, we'll obviously um, to deck out your profile with all the relevant, I guess, uh, you know, portfolio pieces you might have. And, um, yeah, that's what let's talk, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, so, sure. um, so I've got a kind of a blank slate in, on Elance in particular has um, a a template or a form that you fill out. You can fill in your, you know, um, you know, your catchy title, like for you know what your, you know, what your expertise is. Um, I think you mentioned different tags that they have and kind of this uh, description box, which is like I don't know, is that like a pre-cover letter or a text version of your resume what do you like what do you put in that description and, and title and stuff yeah well essentially your your profile is the first point of you know when someone's interested in you that's they're going to click on your name and that's the first thing that they'll see so this is your opportunity to essentially sell them on everything you do and why you're unique and why that's important to them um so yeah, you know, when you consider what you put on your LinkedIn profile and who you think might be trying to find you on LinkedIn, it might be prospective employers. It'll be the same gist on, on these platforms as well. Um, I guess from from a client's perspective, the main things they're looking at is your, I guess, your, your history of past clients. If you do have them, if you don't have them, um, if you don't, that's okay because most people don't when they start out, obviously. But uh, you know, what's easy to do is essentially linking your LinkedIn recommendations. Um, or just repurposing them on on your profile. Uh, other things as well, like portfolio pieces. If you haven't used the platform before, you know, try to link outside of the platform. That's what I did when I started. I worked at a digital agency for about five or six years, and essentially just created my own case studies in a PDF format, uploaded them to my portfolio on Elance, and uh, you know, it looked like I'd been there for years. Um, Okay, so even if there's no feedback or no client history, there, there's at least something filled in for those portfolio jobs to show that you're not completely green. Absolutely. I mean, people want to see some social proof. And if you can't provide it immediately on the platform, just link them to outside sources like LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter just to make sure that they know you're a real human and um, you know, you're not going to screw them because you have some sort of social identity out there that can be um, affected and... Um, now, how strict are they in kind of keeping you on platform? Because it seems like they're they make their margin by you know on a percentage of each uh, job that comes through. So are they are they okay with you linking out to to LinkedIn or a portfolio website or something like that? Yeah. So um, I don't know the exact specifics, but uh, if there's anything about you know side hustles or entrepreneurialism, it's just to kind of ask for forgiveness, sort of thing. <laughs> um, but uh, at the same time, you know, they can't expect you to be able to just start turning jobs if you've got nothing to show. And right. um, I guess the security to the client side and your side is to actually use the platform's escrow system, uh, money payment system, um, so that no one gets screwed in the process. So with something like Elance, for example, who have an excellent escrow system, the the client puts the job out, they essentially upload, um, upload, wow, well, um, yeah, essentially... He uploads those dollars into his yeah, escrow. Yeah, I can't say. Sorry, you know, it's early here in Melbourne at the moment. So. Um, but essentially, they, they hold, Elance holds the money for, for both the client and the freelancer, and they'll, they'll make an assessment if there's any disputes along the way and you know, distribute the money accordingly. But 
um, it's, a, it's a layer of security for both sides. So um, whether you want to go inside or outside of Elance, which happens all the time. I mean, I hate to admit it. I've gone outside of Elance. I've taken clients from inside Elance and out and uh, invoice them externally. But um, if it's starting out with a new client, you certainly want that layer of protection. What's your take on the different tests that they offer? Like, it seems like some of the, as a, on the client side, some of the people I'm looking at have, have taken these tests and it'll say like top 20th percentile or something like that. And then some of them will say like self, self rated top 20th percentile. They will, you know, I'm not going to put a lot of weight into the self rated ones, but if they took an actual test, maybe there's some, some weight to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of the testing system, to be honest. Um, I know they're different on each platform. Odesk have their own curated tests, but they're not overly in-depth. And um, I guess they don't really get to any nitty-gritty details that um, can certainly make someone look like a true expert, in my opinion. Um, Elance is a bit different. They actually crowdsource their answers. So uh, other, I guess, experts can essentially upload questions and have them featured as part of the the test. which is an interesting point, but what, what happens over time is you see a really bad string of poorly asked questions um, and really outdated answers. Uh, so, for example, and you've got to be mindful about how you take tests and, you know, how greedy you are with your numbers. For example, I um, took a social media test and I got a top 5% rating. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm should be t- I should be top 1%. I'm a bit arrogant like that. <laughs> um, but uh, I retook it and uh, ended up getting a score of top 20% because of... A, a series of really terrible oh, questions. because you weren't happy with the top five. <laughs> Absolutely. And now I can't actually go back and claim the top five. I, it goes by um, whatever your most recent test scores. Oh. <laughs> so, um, I'm a bit hesitant to try it again just in case I bump, bump myself down to like top 50 or something like that. Okay, um, so you got a chance to retake if you're not happy with the score, but there's a risk of, Absolutely. <laughs> there's yeah. a risk of going down and you can only take the most recent Retake uh, recent your one. own risk. Yeah, okay. Sure. And so you're, in your opinion, like that doesn't carry that much weight on the client side. Um, you, would, you would spend your, your hours, rather than taking tests, what would you spend your time on as a, as a new freelancer? Um, I guess building social proof, really. I mean, more case studies, more um, examples of outside work. Um, just showing them that, you know, Elance or whatever platform you're using is, is, is one tool for your income. And then kind of just showing them that, you know, it, you're much bigger than that. And okay. I'm sure these platforms are going to hate me for saying this, but um, the world doesn't revolve around whatever happens in these little ecosystems. So if you can show that um, you've got a broader experience and you, you know, it, freelancing is, you know, second nature to you, I'm sure. Okay. So, so I'm ready to start bidding on jobs now. What kind of projects am, am I looking for as, as a newbie out of the gate? Uh, so one thing I like to tell other people is, uh, be really, really, really selective. So it's really, it's really tempting to just go around and spam for every little job you think you can handle. You're not going to get chosen for pretty much any of those. If that's the, if that's the mentality you take, because there'll be other specialists out there spending a lot of time on a, on a, on a proposal. Um, you know, looking at every single sentence that comes out of the client's, you know, text. And uh, basically just, you know, addressing each one, one by one. What I would recommend is take a few simple low, uh, if you haven't got any skills, that is, take a few simple, um, I guess, low-end jobs and then just start building up a bit of feedback, building up a bit of confidence in the system, 
um, showing that you have a track record. Uh, and uh, what I what I like to say is kind of make up in volume what you have what you don't have in competence. So um, if you if you want to make say a few hundred dollars a week extra on the side uh, using Elance, okay, just essentially just try to work more jobs. It doesn't mean you should spam more jobs. It means you need to invest more time in the proposals, but also just try to accumulate lots of little jobs. Um, and then over time, you'll, you'll build your skill set and you'll start identifying your, your, I guess, your specialization and your niche. And then you can start bidding for the more, I guess, higher margin jobs. It's funny you bring up like the, the folks on there that will just like go out and kind of like blanket spam shotgun approach like to all these jobs. And you're like, does this work for does this does this work for you? Like it, in theory, it must because otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. But you're like, who is going to hire you versus somebody who is spending some time and like actually crafting a, a cover letter that fits the, the job description? It, it kind of is a pet peeve or it kind of like blows my mind. Like I want to like provide some coaching to these people. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, the, the the ones who hire those are also the ones who don't come back to the platform. <laughs> do they show um, Do they show some sort of stats like you know what's your batting average in terms of um, you know jobs applied for versus jobs uh, accepted? You make an interesting question. Um, in a nutshell, no, they don't. But uh, a digital mind we're working on a. Gosh, I shouldn't have said it, said it, but anyway, we're working on a, a software for freelancers <laughs> that essentially pulls in, I guess, some of those information from various sources and does that for you. So. It's like you know, it's like going on, uh, you know, a dozen <laughs> a dozen sales calls. Like if you can increase your closing ratio by even a couple percentage points over the course of the month, over the course of the year, you're going to be yeah, significantly difference. better off. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm go. So I've got zero feedback. I've got um, some profile history that I've imported from from outside work. Is there? And I'm going after these small, small jobs now. Uh, assuming I can land a few of those, and I'm proactive about asking for feedback because I'm. Am I? Am I underbidding myself? Like, am I? What kind of price points am I targeting versus what I'd like to charge? Uh you know, that's really subjective based on, I guess, the project and how good you are at fulfilling that project or how conf- confident you are in doing it. As I mentioned before, like, um, you don't want to undercut yourself too much and play on the same level as um, some of the other people out there. But if you if you don't have a skill set, obviously, you need to consider that and discount the, um, for the fact. Okay. Um, I've, I've seen example. some guys, and I've taken a, you know, I've taken the the risk of hiring somebody without a ton of feedback because he's like, hey, my normal rate is is a hundred dollars an hour, but I'm here at twenty to uh, to try and build up a portfolio. I'm like, all right, sweet, you know, and he seemed totally legitimate and and whatever. He did great work, um, but I'm curious, like, how long does that go on until he can like go back up to his hundred dollar an hour rate after he's you know built up some feedback? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'll give you an example. When I did my first job on Elance, now I'm kind of going against my conventional wisdom here. I actually bidded for a um, a digital strategy job, and um, I it was a fixed price job. So that sorry, that's one other thing I should mention. Fixed price jobs obviously have a fixed price, and if you can do what someone else can do in in half the time, then essentially you're making double the amount per hour. Um, okay. So if you you can look at hourly rate jobs, or you can look at fixed price jobs, and um, you know you can probably make more margin that way as well. Uh, but 
going back to what you're saying before about going back up. Uh, look, if you're open from the start uh, with the client that this is your normal rate, and it becomes a long-term relationship with the client, you can start to slowly um, propose, you know, slight increments in in price, especially if it's tied to anything like performance goals, or you can see that whatever you're doing is translating to something for the client. Um, like I have a client based in California at the moment, and uh, he paid me. Uh, quite a low rate. I mean, I'd say probably about a third of what I'd usually charge. And um, over time, you know, he started seeing sales in his business and, you know, we had organized an arrangement that if he reached a certain milestone, we'll start to bump up the uh, the rate by about double. And we're very, very close to that now. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. It's kind of some sort of built-in um, built-in proof or built-in raise to say, hey, this is performance-based. Uh, you know, take take a chance. Let me prove myself, and and if it works, then you can pay me more next time. Yeah, sure. Offer to do um, you know, test projects as well. So if if a guy's looking for a certain price point and you're you're a bit you know, uh, I guess stubborn on that, just say, look, I'll I'll try it out at this price point for one or two projects or one or two weeks or something like that, and then. At, you can ask to evaluate it at the end of it and then see what happens. Okay, okay. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. That's a little bit different from going completely on uh, spec work, which has been a... um, I've learned this is like a, a red flag in like the graphic design industry. Like some people are adamantly opposed to doing spec work. Like, hey, my time is valuable. Like I'm like 99 designs, right? Like I'm not going to spend my time, you know, entering this stupid contest because these people don't even appreciate good design anyways and and all this stuff. It's like, you know, as a business owner, like I've worked for 100% commission for, for years. Like if I don't sell something, you know, nothing happens. And so it's kind of, that's kind of an interesting uh, take on it, but anyways, sorry for that <laughs> tangent. No, that's no, that's right. It's um, you make another interesting point. I mean, you got to know what you're worth, but at the end of the day, if you if you're new to a new side hustle, you're gonna have to make some sacrifice. I mean, that's entrepreneurialism, right? Yeah, definitely. You do do whatever it takes to kind of allow yourself the um, opportunity to get your get your foot in the door to to be able to have the business you want to have. So, okay, so we talked about we're going after some of these low low price jobs or lower, um, maybe lower jobs than you would typically want to target in order to build up some some feedback uh, history and stuff on the platform. And you mentioned going after the fixed priced bids versus the hourly bids, which is an interesting strategy. I hadn't really considered that before. And in kind of going after these longer term relationships or where there might be an opportunity for a longer term, um, a longer term relationship are you targeting um 
individuals that are hiring or kind of companies that are hiring or, or is there a way to tell the difference as a freelancer? Yeah, that's actually a really hard one. I find the best ones are the, uh, the clients who are entrepreneurs themselves. So there maybe might be in that middle, middle growth stage of their business. They're, they're, they're now outsourcing work. They're, they've got a few of their own employees working for them, but they've come to Elance to outsource a bit extra and to maybe bring on a, a long-term, I guess, uh, partner and whatever discipline they're looking for. And I find that they really appreciate, um, the proactiveness of freelancers and, um, I think all the clients I still have today are not the ones that work for big corporations um, who wanted to outsource, you know, their presentation on Friday. It's the ones who wanted, you know, a long-term digital strategist to be on 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 the books every time they had a new, uh, I guess, you know, presentation coming and they needed some help with their pitch deck. Um, they're the ones I find you build the best relationships with, and you sort of grow with them as they grow. Um, and, you know, I've changed my rate at least three or four times with one of my clients. And, you know, they're, they're com- totally comfortable with it because okay. they know that um, as they grow, um, I'm kind of, you know, helping them do that. And, um, you know, as, as, as all the other staff, they've, they've got positions in the company. I kind of have a, an ad hoc um, sort of position where I, w- I was initially just a digital market. I was doing Facebook ads and then I became digital strategist. And then now I'm basically their primary consultant for everything digital that they do. So... And that's awesome. That's something I never even would have imagined would be a job that would even be up for up for bid on Elo. Like I'm looking for a digital strategist. It sounds so like, you know, high high level. I didn't think of that as being on the platform. So that's that's awesome. I guess um, you never know until you go out there and look. Like maybe somebody is out there looking for your expertise. I think that's really really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so aside from raising your uh, aside from raising your rates, is there any other opportunity to kind of scale up or make freelancing a little bit more time leveraged if somebody is looking to like replace their full time income? Yeah, so that's um, that's an interesting, I guess, philosophical question that uh, a lot of freelancers face: is do I do I scale and grow a massive business, or do I, I guess, find more time? And for me personally, it's about the time thing because I do have other pursuits like digital mind that that I want to want to take on. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of products. I hate services, but it, in reality, freelancing is services. Um, <laughs> but uh, to me, it's a means to an end freelancing. So what I look to do is try to maximize my time more so than maximizing my volume. And um, that's that's where the strategy of kind of building long-term relationships comes in. It's um, With freelancers, all you, most freelancers I know, all they want is, which sounds a bit counterintuitive because that's why they left jobs in the first place. They want that secure income <laughs> um, and that expectation that there's you know money at the end of the month. Um, so I guess building, I guess, systems for being selective over time and then slowly, I guess, culling the amount of work you're doing and sort of just focusing on the, on the few that pr- provide the most margin. And if uh, what I, I make it a, a regular habit to, I guess, bid for new work, I don't actually need it that often anymore, but I bid for new work probably once every, every three or four weeks. And, um, if I find a client that, you know, pays me considerably more or offers considerably more than one of my, my other few. Um, I'll start maybe transitioning a relationship away or passing it on to another freelancer I trust uh, to manage that, that client. And um, essentially, it's just, you know, finding that right number and uh, the ones with the right margins. That makes sense too. And if you're and if you're spending your time with uh, with ongoing clients, where you have a relationship, you're not out there, you know, wasting your time bidding on jobs. Maybe you bid on five jobs and only score one, and it's like, well, you just 
you spend an hour of your time, you know, trying to get that one gig. And so if you can, you know, have that long-term relationship, that's, that's one way to, to scale up. And that makes sense. So, uh, Cameron, if you had, now put yourself in the, in the mind of, of the side hustler, if you have an hour a day to spend on freelancing and getting started on Elance, how do you, how do you spend that time? So I guess, uh, see, I initially had a, had a different thought in mind, but if you were going to be specific to freelancing, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, well, let's hear, let's hear your other one next, but go freelancing. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I guess I'd just recommend spend that hour bidding jobs because, um, you know, if, if you've got nothing to, to work with, uh, there's nothing, there's no freelancing that's going to get done and you'll, you'll learn quickly, um, what is working and what isn't working with your proposals. If not, you can always, you know, come to the digital mind site and read out articles, but nice, nice, um, nice pitch. <laughs> sorry for the plug. That's all right. No, that's um, good. And, uh, you know, in an hour you probably get, um, maybe five to six done and that doesn't sound like too many, but if you really take the proposal process seriously, you'll work on maybe five to six max. And, um, you know, most people, as we said, said about three or four times, just copy and paste text. So if you spend that hour, you know, investing a little bit more time into something, you'll, you'll likely get a result quickly. Did you ever try, and this was introduced to me by uh, Daniel Di Piazza, a former, uh, former side hustle guest. What he would do was create a personalized video um, intro, a personalized video pitch for like each job he would bid on. And that was his way of standing out. He'd put in the little text box, hey, I, I made this video just for you. I thought this would be more personal than, you know, writing some you know, form letter, cover letter. And he's like, Hey, this worked. This ended up getting jobs and commanding a higher price point. Cause it was something that nobody else was doing and made him stand out among all the other clients or all the other bidders. That's great. I haven't seen that actually. I might have to go back and have a look. Yeah. <laughs> Jump on there. That could, could take the, take the biz to the next level. Well, very cool. Uh, Cameron, thanks so much. It's uh, digitalmind.com, M I N E D and anywhere else people should find you online. Uh, I'm on Twitter, so at Cameron Rambert in one one word. Um, also, I'm on LinkedIn as well, so feel free to hit me up if you'd like. Uh, cool. Awesome. We'll link you up to that stuff in the show notes, and we'll wrap things up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Make up in volume what you lack in competence. So if you don't uh, – that includes perceived competence. So if if you don't have the skill set to, to, you know, get a certain job, just – apply for more of those jobs, um, invest more time, just do more if you can. Um, and then the other one is, sorry, I'm going to have this number two, just give it a go, whatever it is, just find the confidence to give it a go. Amazing things happen when you start trying. I'll paraphrase, get your, get your hustle on. I like it. <laughs> get your hustle on easy. <laughs> awesome. Cameron, thanks so much for, for joining me and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. And there you have it, a step-by-step guide to making money as a freelancer. Great stuff. Links and show notes at sidehustlenation.com slash episode 53. Stop on by, grab Cameron's free guide, leave a comment or don't, whatever floats your boat. And remember to get your application in for the next Inner Circle Mastermind group starting soon if you think that's something that would help you out. We'll set up a free 15-minute intro call to see if it sounds like a good fit. And that's at sidehustlenation.com slash join. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, go out there and make something happen. And I'll see you next week in episode 54. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 